Franchising is the most misunderstood and most overlooked form of entrepreneurship. We're here to educate you and help you find the entrepreneur within. Franchising is not all about the French fries. We find that individuals who are exploring business ownership tend to have a lot of misperceptions and misunderstandings about the franchise industry. So what we want to do is help prospective business owners make confident and educated decisions before moving forward or not moving forward with a business. Welcome to Unpredicted Entrepreneur. Hello and welcome to episode 39 of Unpredicted Entrepreneur. My name is Sarah Wasco and I am joined by my colleague Roxanne Rapsky. And the purpose of our podcast is to bring to you information and resources about all things franchising. And we are very excited to welcome our guest today. Her name is Jean Marie Ariano. And she is the founder and CEO of Vanity Fur Pet Grooming. So Jean, welcome to Unpredicted Entrepreneur. Thank you, ladies, for having me. We really, we learned your story back, um, I guess it was last fall at the FranNet meeting where we get a, a good opportunity to visit with a lot of our franchise partners. And we were just really intrigued by your story and kind of how you got started in your business, which has now become a franchise. So please share with us just a little bit about your previous background, um, I thought it was super interesting because we'd love to hear how you became an unpredicted entrepreneur. <laughs> well, certainly. I'm going to try to condense that 12-year period of my life into this podcast. But if I could just start, you know, growing up, first of all, my parents had escrow businesses. So my dad had his own escrow business. My mom had her own escrow business. And then when I got to about 20 years old, I realized, I wanted nothing to do with the escrow industry. Um, so I did what a lot of people do. They end up in the restaurant industry. Um, so that's where I started. So the first concept I worked in was a local Irish pub and eatery. Uh, worked there as a general manager for a couple of years. And I left there for something bigger, something better, uh, maybe more money, <laughs> Uh, I went to the old spaghetti factories, uh, ended up being a general manager there for, I think, about three of their locations. I uh, was with them for about five years. Um, again, something was saying something bigger, something better. And so I left the spaghetti factory and ended up at Yard House Restaurants. Not sure if you know of, of any of these concepts, but oh, Yard House <laughs> Very cool. And, you know, they had 200 beers on tap and 100 menu items. And it was just a really fun atmosphere. Um, worked for them for several years, several locations. And again, thought I need to do something bigger, something better, something brighter. And so left there and ended up with finally uh, the last place I ended up in, the, in that industry was working for improv comedy clubs. <clears throat> so I thought, for sure, this is exactly where I'm supposed to be. I get paid to laugh for a living. I get to work with all of these big headlining names. Um, and back then, some no-namers that are big now. Um, and I loved it. I really did. I um, didn't really like working nights and weekends very much. But, I, I mean, I'm having fun, you know, working. So that is right up my, my alley. Um, I think 
after a few years, I realized every Sunday night when I would settle up with like the headliner comedians, I'd have to cut them a check. And I was cutting them a check for four days of their time. And it was the equivalent to my annual salary. And I thought, whoa. Four four days was equivalent to your annual salary? Yeah. Wow. (laughs) For some, like for for big names, you know. um, You know, I mean, I worked with big headliners, like names like, you know, Gabriel Iglesias or or the Wayans uh, brothers or Joe Coy, um, Kevin Nealon, John Levitz. I mean, the list goes on and on. And so, yeah, they were there for about six or seven shows. And then when we would settle up, I'd look at their contract, I'd realize that they were their own business entities. They were doing what they love to do for a living. And they were getting paid all of this. <laughs> so over time, it just kind of pointed that maybe I could be doing something better. And I and I left and I quit the improv and it was crazy. And my husband thought I was crazy. <laughs> so, so that's where I started before starting Vanity Fur. Well, that's kind of a common theme um, that when people decide to leave a salaried paying job, mm-hmm. family and friends think they might be crazy. Crazy. Yep. Yes. <laughs> for, for sure, I was thought to be crazy because then in the next year, you know, uh, if anybody that worked for improv or any place that I worked before, when I tell them I'm a dog groomer, I'm crazy. <laughs> so really quick, when you left comedy, did you know what you wanted to do or did you leave and then take some time to figure out what you wanted to do? Yeah, I left because it, I knew that if I didn't leave, I would never leave. And so I, I just knew I had to jump out and I'm going to figure out what it is and I'm going to find my passion and I'm going to make money doing what I love. And that was really what happened. And that's Part of why my husband thought I was crazy. Um, he's like, we just bought a house. Are you sure? You know, are you sure about this? <laughs> like, hey, we've already got the loan. It doesn't matter now, right? Yeah, don't worry about, you know, mortgage payments or any of that. Just go do what you love. So literally that next year, I didn't know what I was going to do. I researched everything. I want to work with animals. I want to get paid the same. Uh, I don't want to be a veterinarian. I it, it, And I kind of frantically was trying to learn what I wanted to do. I loved. Um, like fine, I, I thought, oh, I'm going to be a financial adv- advisor at one point in that year. I was dabbled in real estate for a moment. And then actually, inevitably, I ended up back in the restaurant industry, you know, because I have to make some money. And so I just decided I'm going to make some business cards. I'm going to put my dogs on it and I'm going to babysit dogs, you know, on my weekends or whatever. And then I ran across a gentleman and he saw my business card and he said, you should meet my wife. She's a mobile dog groomer. And I was like, what is that? I've never seen a mobile dog grooming thing. What what are you talking about? And so I went out with her for a day and like immediately knew this is, this is the thing for me. It solved so many of my, what I was looking for. Wow. Now, did she hire you? Did you start working for someone else or did you immediately go out on your own? No, I went out with her literally for a day. She told me there was a local pet grooming school. Okay. Uh, they also built uh, trailers, you know, and for, for the grooming industry. So I uh, went to school, became a dog and cat groomer uh, while I was getting my first trailer built. 
And then about three months after that, I was, I was in business. So you had an interesting story about how you decided on the name for your business. Tell us about that. Well, it's kind of silly. And I can't really tell you everything that I said when I was looking, when I was looking to figure out what name I was going to put on the mobile, it it was actually going to be Nails and Tails. And I was, that was going to be the name. And I'm driving probably my last week of of grooming school. I'm I'm about to start the business. And uh, this guy cuts me off getting on the freeway. And you know what we say when we get cut off. (laughs) No, I have no idea. (laughs) So So in my car, I'm saying everything about his license plate. His license plate had the word vanity on it. So I'm saying, oh, vanity this, oh, vanity that, you know, (laughs) expletive maybe. And then it just dawned on me, vanity fur. And so I, I went to school that day and was telling everybody, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have this name. And everybody was like, that is the coolest name. And, and then a couple of years after that, I trademarked it because I, I just love the name. And I knew I wanted to do something more with the name later. Wow. That's awesome. That's Fortunately, story. after you shared it with everyone, no one stole it from you. You know, you got to be careful about that these days. Well, that's why I trademarked it. And to yeah. be honest, there, there are a few few people that haven't done their homework where you have to find out that the name has been trademarked. And unfortunately, there, there are a couple businesses out there, um, you know, using the, their own vanity for name. So, you know, people should look into trademarking before slapping your name on a business. So, yeah. So yeah. one thing that um, I love about your specific business is your proprietary vans and how you serve your clientele when you are grooming them. So tell us about those. So first, you know, I started with trucks and trailers. Um, And when I started the business, you know, I first quickly realized how busy I was. And so I, instead of referring business out, I thought, well, let's get a groomer, get a mobile, get a groomer, get a mobile. And every mobile that I built, I literally customized it to suit the largest and like most senior dog. Um, a lot of people think, oh, in grooming, you get bit by dogs all the time. And that's not at all. That's not far, far, far from the case. But the one time in that first year that I realized these, these vehicles weren't working very well for the groomer and for the dog, for, you know, the senior dog, uh, you know, trying to turn a dog around in this small tub or trying to lift him out and have him jump in these mobiles. I thought there's got to be a better way. So I just fine tuned over, you know, the 10, 12 years of, of working. And then I find at a groom expo West and I wasn't supposed to go to this grooming expo but somebody was interested in my franchise concept and she didn't know a lot. She hasn't seen the dog industry. So I was like, well, why don't you come check this out? Because it was local to us. And, you know, her mind was blown with all the crazy dog people and what we do. <laughs> and, you know, all we color dogs and, you know, all these crazy things. But then I found a gentleman that I'd never seen before in any of these grooming um, uh, expos. And I really, you know, drove home to him that, we've got to get rid of these generators. These generators are a huge source of cost and problems and maintenance and repairs. And so he really listened to me and a few other, you know, groomers out there. And him and I developed a relationship over the last, you know, 
probably two, I don't know if we're going on 15 months or two years at this point, just developing the van and everything, him and his son own the company, their engineer backgrounds, manufacturing engineer, nothing in these vans is grooming industry. You can't find anything in there, you know, on the market in the grooming world. Um, It's lithium batteries, solar powered uh, uh, inverter. Uh, We built a ramp system for the large senior dogs so they could just, you know, walk up the the van uh, or the the tables actually go all the way to the van floor, um, literally to the van floor. Uh, They're electric. The table raises up. The dog just simply walks in the, the bathtub and then we have a whole bathing system to to bathe, you know, very quickly, efficiently, you know, to get under the coat. And we're just, we've made it so efficient. We also have a camera system in there. And that is a humongous thing for any industry where, where something can't speak for themselves. So it not only protects the dogs, the cats, but also the groomers. So they're not accused of any wrongdoing. So in, in theory, the whole van is, is built for the protection of our reputation because our reputation, like, is our business. You know, people really trust their, their little fur babies with us. And that's important. So these vans are, is there some kind of agreement with this engineer where they're proprietary to you and he cannot give that whatever he's doing for you that he can't give it to anyone else? Well, right now, uh, because his business is, uh, sort of beginning, he's built vans for other, uh, industries, um, also in the dog world, but other other industries. So he's been doing this for some time. Um, he's really trying to perfect this with the grooming industry. And uh, he is exclusive to Vanity Fur currently. Um, we are in we are talking about bigger things in terms of where he works for, you know, we're together in this. He sees the value in the franchise um, system and all that that, you know, entails him just providing these vans for our franchisees. So that's where we're at currently. And um, I tell him, you know, I'm not going to slow your business down and you don't slow mine. And that's our, our verbal agreement at this point. Little side note with all the, you know, we hear about all these supply chain issues and stuff. Are you having any trouble getting vans or is he having any trouble getting parts um, to get these vans put together for you when you're bringing new franchisees on? Right. So, so he has all of the van, all of the vans are already in inventory, what he's scheduled to do it, or hoping to do in a year. Gotcha. So he also has the engineering uh, manufacturing background. So his brain works very different from most where he, you know, gets these shipments from, you know, it, a lot of it is not, you know, he, he's making these vans so that they are basically put together like Legos is how he explained it to me so that it can be taught to anybody else. It doesn't necessarily need to be an engineer that will build this, um, which was important because, you know, they need, this needs to continue how we build these vans. Right. So he's created that entire system of how we build the van. So yes, supply has been a small issue, but we're, we're almost toward the end of that, at least with him and everything that we need for the vans today. Gotcha. That's great. So I have a couple questions. You decided you wanted to be a pet groomer. So did you start off just doing it yourself or did you immediately bring on groomers to work for you and you were overseeing and managing the business from the get-go? 
So I, you know, again, wanted to be with animals. And so I was pet grooming. I, for, for years, I, I groomed for about eight year, eight to 10 years. Um, but I started building other mobiles in my second year, then in the third year, then in the fourth year. So I was literally working full-time as a groomer, as well as managing. So, you know, when the groomers come in, um, you know, once they're, they're trained properly and they're, they're like off and running, they, they love it because they love what they're doing. They're working for animals and they love it way more than a shop because, you know, when they come, they say, oh my gosh, I had a lot of shop drama there, or I didn't get along, you know, this here, they, they are on their own, but like never alone. So they're in their own mobile with their dog. It's a much more serene, uh, low anxiety scenario for the dogs and for the groomers. And of course the cats. That's great. So um, you were able to scale by bringing on other groomers and more vans. At what point did you say, I think I want to franchise this business? So I don't know why I, I said to my, when I went to grooming school, I told my grooming teacher, why don't you franchise? Why are you building mobiles for, you're building your own competition. What, what are you doing? And she said, oh, no, you wouldn't want to franchise. It's all this money. It's all this time. It's all, you know, and uh, I just always knew from from being in grooming school that I knew that the need for it because nobody could keep up with their their business. So, I mean, gosh, early on, I knew I wanted to franchise. I, I went down the road of trying to franchise in 2017 and I quickly realized I needed to button some items up. I needed to really document my systems. Um, and just keeping up with the business is what made me franchise because there's such a need for what we do. And that is vanity fur is all about safety and comfort of the dogs and and the cats. And I really want that as far reaches as we can make. So you said you tried in 2017. At what point did you decide, okay, I'm ready. And how did you go about doing that? Well, so I knew I wanted to franchise before the pandemic and then the pandemic came and we were still able to operate. The only time that we didn't operate during the pandemic was when it was just unknown, you know, can we work or, you know, can we, can't we, but we were able to. Um, and then of course, during the pandemic, everybody gets a dog, you know, <laughs> and then, so now we're even more, you know, in demand. And then post pandemic, it was just, I just knew it was time. It, you know, we've got to get more vanity furs out there. If if you have ever tried to get a mobile groomer in your area, you know, I hear it constantly. I can't find a mobile groomer. They're booked to capacity. They, they're not, they won't even take my calls. They're so busy. So, and I say, I know, I know. <laughs> so really quick, I think it's important to note that you are in one of the states that was much more restrictive than others, right? Mm-hmm. So if you were having that kind of um, result for um, being in need and um, continuing to operate there, that should kind of be a relief to people that are thinking about this, right? Because you're in California, right? Yeah, I'm in California. And then, and then you know, that is one side of looking at, but, but we, we've been very successful even with all of the, you know, uh, wage and hour compliance. We have yeah. a lot of that over here. So you know, all of the payroll tax and, you know, all those things. And, you know, we're, we're doing really, you know, the business is doing well here. 
So you are a relatively new franchise. How long have you been franchising now? For one, one year. One year. Okay. Perfect. Congratulations. Congratulations. Yes. Yeah. Very exciting. And you already have some franchisees. So tell us how you got your first franchisees. I think that's a big hurdle yes. for a lot of franchisors is to find their first franchisee. So tell us how that went for you. So, so my first, so first of all, the employees that I still currently have, I have some long-term employees. They've been with me six, seven, and eight years. And then some of my newer ones, uh, you know, last year, they, one had just barely been with me for a year, the other one, two years. And uh, I have my FDD. We've got the operations manual. We're ready to get some franchisees and and right at that time, I went to the IFA in San Diego. It was my first IFA. And I'm at a round table. And the conversation wasn't even about this. And I don't even know how we got on it. But somebody had said that their first franchisees were employees. And I said, wait a minute. <laughs> what? <laughs> so I said, can I please ask more? And so there was a lot of just valuable information I got from there. And everybody was like, yeah, offer it to your employees. Somebody might be interested in that. And that's exactly what I did. It, it didn't even cross my mind until IFA. I came back, said, I'm going to show you guys, everybody here, the opportunity. And whether you take it or not, you know, you, you're still an employee. You're still valued here, but you might want to take this route. And, and then I got my, my first one and she, she was really educating herself about franchising and the value of being, she wanted to be number one. She said, I'm going to be number one. So just know I'm, I'm going to be your number one. And I just said, yeah, you are. <laughs> so that's how we, we began. That's great. So how many do you have now? I have the two. Yeah. Okay. They both were from em, em, employees. So. And just to note for those watching this that don't know what IFA is, that's the International Franchise Association. Yes. And yeah. I just think that speaks volumes again to the franchising industry because of the education that you received by attending that first conference after becoming a franchisor and mm -hmm. being able to interact with other franchisors and use that as an opportunity to grow your business. Yeah. So you don't just learn from your franchise when you join a franchise. You can also learn from other industry experts that are in franchising. Yeah. And, and you know, there there's competition, but even, you know, they are very helpful. You know, I happen to sit next to a lot of other, you know, founders or, or, you know, decision makers and other pet concepts and all of them connected with me after I can message them. They always give me feedback and input when I'm, you know, need some help because <laughs> we all need help eventually. Yeah. Right. That's great. So now that you're a franchisor and you are in the mode of growth and so forth, what would you say has been your biggest aha moment after moving from independent business to franchisor? Well, obviously it's a whole new business. So that's why, you know, for me, the IFA was so important because I need to learn so much more. Um, that and, you know, in the franchise you, you, what you're offering is all of your systems. Um, don't make these mistakes. And then we put it into this operations manual. So it's all like written in this three inch binder. And then really my aha was, wow, we did all that. <laughs> it was, you know, but really 
gosh, if somebody would have came to me in that year after improv where I was frantically looking for what am I going to do? And if somebody said, hey, how about this uh, mobile grooming, you know, franchise, they've already done all the mistakes. Uh, You don't have to do them. And, you know, yeah, you might pay some fees or whatever, but but the franchisor really had to pay a lot in terms of learning what not to do. Um, Yeah. And so here's the business. You get to start, you know, everything's tied up in a nice little bow and there you go. I wish somebody would have came and told me about franchising um, back when I was in that year of what am I going to do? <laughs> we hear that a lot. Right. It's uh, interesting because, yeah, it's a business in a box. It's a well-oiled machine. And um, it's kind of just like having a recipe and following a recipe. Absolutely. Yes. It's it's a, it's a really, there's a lot of value behind be, becoming a franchisee. I mean, you know, I'm speaking on my my own system, but you know, man, all the things that they won't have to to do that I did in those 10 years, like find the right mobile and, and build it and customize this. And, you know, this marketing didn't work and, you know, they don't have to do all of that. It's, it's ready to go. Yep. That's why some people are a little surprised when we tell them that investing in a franchise can be a lower investment yes. than trying to start from scratch because mm-hmm. starting from scratch, you as you described, can tend to make mistakes as you're learning and trying to figure things out. So, which can be costly very right? much so. when you're spending money right. on marketing that's not working or try a lot of trial and yeah. error. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I could have a, we could have a whole podcast of all the times that I spent money on the wrong things. <laughs> okay, we'll do that later. I think we all, you know, have made those mistakes for sure. Yeah. So I'm very curious now that you have been doing this for as long as you have, you become a franchisor, you're growing your business. You told us at the beginning of the podcast, your husband thought you were crazy. So what does he think now? Well, he trusts (laughs) it very much more now. And so he says, you know what? I support you, honey. Just, you know, he knows that I've proven myself. So, but he still knows I'm crazy. I mean, (laughs) That is, I have to say That's that awesome. because he's going to say it for, you know, hey, you're crazy. I think you have to be a little crazy to be an entrepreneur. And, and you know, my hat's off to all the true entrepreneurs that grind it out because without you, there would be no franchises right. for us to represent. So we appreciate the Jean Marie's of the world. Oh, thank you. And, and and we appreciate you because what a franchisee has to learn before they even get to a franchise concept is what, you know, you ladies do and Franet. And so hats off to you. <laughs> so we are so grateful that you joined us today and shared your story with us. If someone's watching this and they want to get a hold of you, how would they do that? Well, uh, so they could go to our website. So vanity furs, plural, F-U-R-S dot com forward slash franchising um, and or contact you ladies. Uh, you know where to find me. So that would be that would be how to find us. Well, thank you. And for yeah. those of you listening and watching, thank you for tuning in. Please follow, follow Sarah and I on LinkedIn. I'm Roxanne Rapsky, R-A-P-S-K-E. And Sarah with no H, Wasco, W-A-S-K-O-W. You can also find us on our website at frannet.com and on YouTube at Frannet of Dallas, Fort Worth, and Oklahoma. And lastly, you can find Unpredicted Entrepreneur on any podcasting platform. So thank you. Bye-bye.